You know the number one reason that I know? Hmm. The, ES, the ESPN ticker and the CNN and MSNBC tickers. <laughs> yep, at the bottom, yep. At the bottom, it's like I can remember having a smaller TV and being able to read it fine, and now I have a larger TV, and then it's like, where? I mean, I can see it's there, but like... You know. I see the writings there, but I don't see anything. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's... So uh, we're covering um, two, uh, I guess we'd say feel good. Two, three. Yeah. Today, I think both of them. It's, it's a good way to kick off the second season, I guess. Like the, to do two. I mean, I, I am not familiar as much with the context that Rosa Parks is used in um, by Outcast. Um, Queens Don't Stop Me Now, though, is like one of those serious party. I mean, you can, even if you've only heard it once. I mean, it's, it's really obviously intended to be danced to. Like, that's, that's what it was done for. So. Um, so, you know what? Can we start with, can we, can we start with the Queen song? We can start with Queen song. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I would like, change it up a little bit. Yeah. Let's change it up to start things off because you want to know what? I don't know if we covered any record last season that was mm-hmm. enticing on your side as this record was to me. That was his what? I'm sorry. Enticing. Oh, okay. Like when I heard it, I was like, oh, I'm like, that's what we're doing. Okay. Yes. I'm like, cool. I'm like, somebody should have told me. I would have bought a better shirt. I would have bought some dancing <laughs> shoes. And and the melody, the melody immediately does that to you with this. Oh, yeah. And so that's why I was like, you know, I mean, you had a conversation about you sent me a message a couple of days ago and you were like, you know, do you have any other ideas, you know, because we're going to start off with this. And I'm like, no, 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 that's perfect. It's perfect. Mm -hmm. Because for me, it's like I looked at it and this is how I thought about it. You know, um, I think there's that uh, pop culture iconic scene of um, Wayne's World. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And not that vision. But, you know, um, the night at Roxbury. Yeah. Okay, so that that kind of came in my head when the beat came on, but like in a good way. It's like it's definitely a disco beat. Yeah. 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 Um, And I want to come back around to that at the very end, too, because I think there's something to be said with that in comparison to Rosa Parks, too. Not that Rosa Parks has a disco beat, but a point. Um, The song that you're talking about, actually, the Wayne's World one where they're doing that um, is a queen song. I know the headbanging is not, but actually, yeah, it is too. It is, it is a queen song. It's Bohemian Rhapsody. They do. do Mm -hmm. Um, So like when they're driving in the car or whatever. Yeah, sure. That's yeah. um, That's, that's queen as well. And queen, one of those bands that like is operatic. I mean, cause, cause Freddie Mercury is one of the only vocalists in rock and roll history that can do that like he, his voice is one of the most amazing um and most um agile i guess of um of rock and roll music um and but but there's some some heavier guitars in there too like it's not just um and then then the drummer's got the, that little you know disco four on the floor thing going on too so it's 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 a good combination of stuff and it's one of those songs that like i think of it um like a lot of outcast hits honestly like um like this one like rosa parks like at aliens like bombs over baghdad like if you're not like moving in your seat when you listen to it then there's something wrong with you like 
Like in, in this queen, in the don't stop me now does that too. It definitely does. So to the, to the queen record and we're going to, and I like that you bought up like the get up and dance mm-hmm. feel part about outcast side. Like just remind me when we're touching the outcast side to discuss the live instrumentation side on the hip hop level. Okay. That's involved with Rosa Parks and that's kind of attached to outcast in a way that's not attached to other Southern acts. Okay. Um, <clears throat> So the main thing that I wanted to talk to you about mm-hmm. and in relationship to this song and why I wanted to start off with Queen is because it was on this record. It's how about this? I know who Freddie Mercury is. Right. I know who Queen is. Right. I did not know vocally who, who he was. Oh, man, he's an unbelievable. And Andrew, until I heard this record, I did not know who he was vocally. The mm-hmm. first thing I noticed about this record, I was like, Oh, he's better almost than anybody vocally. Oh, yeah. And, Without question. And the, Without first question. Thing, and the first thing that I notice is the agility. I'm like, oh, no, this guy can sing like Barry White, sing like Prince, sing like Jagger, sing like mm. like sing like Elton John. Like who you want him to sing like? Like, like, because he can go through the soprano, alto. He, he go, he's got the range. He's got alto, incredible he's got, range. His range. His range was unworldly. I heard the unworldliness of his range off that one song. And <clears throat> I need to go listen to more, some more Queen, just about his voice. His voice is this, is... this is not... I mean, it is a famous song, but it is not, like, one of their most, most famous songs. I mean, it's, it's not We Are the Champions or right. Bohemian Rhapsody. And so you almost feel like those songs have been... The archetypes of those songs have been built into so many different pop cultural references that it almost is... Yeah satire like the right that's why i wanted to do one that was not like it was a famous song but not like the the most famous song no i totally see your vision with it because this is the song that gives credibility to the actual musical uh genius of the group mostly Mm -hmm. him vocally and what they do guitar wise oh yeah the guitar is nasty too like it's yeah their guitar work is supreme who's their guitarist his name is brian may Okay. Has he worked with anybody else or is he known for his work with Queen? He's, he's worked with Queen. Like Queen is, Queen is the four of them. I forget. I, I, I'm willing to embarrass myself because I don't know the rest of them. Um, the drummer's okay. named Roger something. Um, I'll look it up right quick. That's yeah, all. yeah, absolutely. I want to make sure we give these people their flowers. Um, but yeah, Brian May is the guitarist and he is lots of the, the band members get overshadowed by Freddie Mercury, obviously, because he is his vocals, but he also he plays the piano. Yeah. I just pulled it up. Yeah. He sings like that and he plays the piano? Not all the time, but yeah, he, he is. Uh, um, we'll have to talk about his Live Aid performance at some point because have you watched the Live Aid performance? No. Oh, man, that's... Okay, so he has a performance, the Queen, he, they, and like in the 80s. This is right before he died. Um, he had HIV um, and he, he died of AIDS in the early, mid-80s. Um, I thought it was late 80s. It might have been, it might have been, I'm misspeaking. But anyway, this was like in the year or two before he died. Um, He performed at Live Aid, which was not at Wembley, I don't think, Wembley Stadium, but it was, you know, 100, 150,000 people or whatever. And I have never seen, like y'all, those of you who are watching this, if you've never watched um, Queen's performance at Live Aid, um l-i-v-a-i-d is what it sounds like um you should go it's on youtube um but i have never ever ever seen a single individual hold 
a crowd of a hundred and however many thousand people like in the palm of his hand like that. And he doesn't, I mean, he plays some famous songs, but he, but he plays like Radio Gaga and I forget what else, but like, it's, it's, it's like he's hypnotized them almost like he's, he's got the, he, he's just an, beyond his vocals. He's an extraordinary performer. Um, and he was medium to pretty sick at that point too. So he was not at the peak of his powers. So when you're saying performer, give me some, uh, give me some uh, level or range about performance level, like James Brown, Michael Jackson. It's, Prince it's, it's, it's like that. It's, it's like that. Like uh, it's, it's that kind of. He's um, at the top tier in terms of performance. Well, he's way up at the top. Um, I wouldn't put him at the tip, tip top. I would put him at the tip, tip top vocally. Um, yeah. I would not put him at the tip, tip top. Like, I mean, his stage motions, yes, but he's not like dancing like Mike or Prince or whatever. He's not. He's and not yeah. like that. Well, how about this? They can't sing like him, range wise. Right. There's nobody. I mean, there are people that can sing like that, but the people who can sing like Freddie Mercury are usually not men. Um, they're not men, no. But they're also not um, um, rock and roll singers either. They're most. They're, they're like. I mean, Michael Bublé can sing like that, for example. Like people like that who yes. sing those kind of songs, and not to knock them, but like th that's the kind of voice he had. He could sing whatever. Are you familiar with Minnie Ripperton? That name is familiar, but I'm not calling songs to mind. Yeah, Minnie Ripperton and Denise Williams have uh, what I would call comparable range mm -hmm. uh, to Freddie Mercury in terms and five octave voice. Yeah. Um, in terms of, like what they can do vocally is just like a manifestation of like brilliance unto itself. Yeah. yeah. And so that's uh, that's actually what I heard when I heard him. I heard like vo vocally, the level that he's at. I only hear women like Whitney, um, yeah. many pretend Denise. Yeah, Williams. There's not many people uh, that can do that. Yeah, yeah. Like I want to hear. I would love to hear some of his runs, mm -hmm. like like when he's practicing, like some of his runs, because you'll probably hear stuff that you're not used to hearing uh, from a man, quite frankly, on yeah. a vocal run. Yeah, he's he's, he's extraordinary. Um, that explains the operatic tone of their music that they're known for because it's like, well, they have somebody who's capable of singing. Yeah, there's, yeah. It's, it's, it's really, and it's like, I, I try to sing along. I mean, everybody tries to sing along with Queen. Like, it's just one of those things that, that moves you and you want to sing along with, but but nobody can sing like Freddie. Like, just, you just can't. And and once you accept that, then you can just sing it and have fun, right? But The range that you hear and what he's able to do and how easily he shifts his range. Okay, so... Brian May is guitar and vocals, Roger Taylor's drums and vocals, and John Deacon was bass. John Deacon, that's the name I was missing. Okay. okay. Yeah. They're, and they're all extraordinary musicians, not just Freddie, but like I need to dig some more. But his voice is 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 such a um is such a an attraction point for a music lover, is what oh, I yeah. mean. Love um, music, it's hard not to hear his voice and be like, whoa, like what's that? Who is that? Yeah. Um this this, this song comes from an album called Jazz, actually, from it's 1978, so it's 20 years before Rosa Parks. Um, and the album is not really jazzy at all, um, but um, the album's called Jazz. Um, that's the one that has, uh, I don't know if you know Fat Bottom Girls or Bicycle Race. I don't know if you're familiar with those songs. That okay, Those come from this one, too. Bicycle Race, yes. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's just... 
it's it's an amazing it song like um do you have any other questions or you'll me to riff a little bit no riff a little bit i'm just like pulling the album up right quick and just kind of like seeing like if i'm familiar with any of the other stuff on there and also seeing like what's in there i was super impressed by the song it's it's feel good music it's um yes and, and, and so when you're talking about him performing at Live Aid and being captivating, it's like, well, that doesn't surprise me because I was captivated by this song, like just the listen. The first mm-hmm. listen of it was captivating to me, like, like, whoa, like, how can you how can you like, you know, I know everybody has their. Um, we all have the shit that we like. Sure. Yeah. But if you just like music, this is just one of those songs I feel like, and he's just like one of those vocalists where it's like, no, well, no. It's hard. It's really hard not to like him. Like if you don't like that, it's like I don't respect your musical opinion as much because just as a music lover in general, you, you don't gotta like. You, 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 like, like I was saying about yeah, record yeah. Like I was saying about like the other songs too. Like if you if this doesn't make you like move in your seat, then then there's something wrong with you. Like there's if you're a black man and you're going to your company holiday party. Mm-hmm. And this song comes on and you don't nod your head, you're trying too hard to be cool. Like go ahead and, <laughs> and nod your head to this shit. It's okay. It, it's, it's good because it, I mean it's got that beat and it's good. Like it's not good. Like it, the, the cool part. Yeah. This is like a miniature. I, I think of this song as kind of a miniature Bohemian Rhapsody. Like it it has um two or three or four distinct parts to it. Um there's the intro. Um, where it's kind of slow and smooth and then there's the the beat kicks in um, where he sings the don't stop me now part and then there's a um, there's a breakdown um, at the end the don't stop me don't stop me don't stop me or that part at the end and then then he had then the outro was the same as the beginning too so it's it's got a little something for everybody too it's it's warming you up and cooling you down on the dance floor um as well um so i also see that i mean and i already knew this they're from the uk mm-hmm. and so how um how did the how did their jump across the pond go like were they just as big here as they were over there or was home base still bigger than it was here for them you know like like the beatles were massively large everywhere right um i would say this is okay i want to be super clear about this. this is not something that i'm super familiar with um i think um, that they were bigger in the UK than they are here. Okay. Um, but th- at, at least at their, like when they were releasing music. Yeah. Um, but I mean, he was part of the Studio 54 deal too with Jagger oh. and Bowie and all of them too, um, which is, I, I'm sure, not surprising um, given given his kind of music and his lifestyle and partying and all that kind of stuff. Like that's, yeah. It's just I know more about his legend mm-hmm. side of music. Yeah. Personality wise mm-hmm. than the actual music. Yeah. Yeah. If y'all haven't, you and everybody else who's listening who hasn't dipped into Queen's music, just I mean, watch the live aid performance, which is awesome. Um, and you can on where wherever streaming you listen to, just find the greatest hits album. And it's that give that'll give you enough of a an intro to to who they are and what they are to 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 hook you like i don't what's your favorite queen album um i didn't listen to them <clears throat> growing up as like 
with jazz. They have they have one called jazz. They have one called Night at the Opera, um, and a few others. But I didn't, I listened to the greatest hits one. That's where I had the the hook in. Um, and it does. I mean, it starts with like "We Are the Champions" and "We Will Rock You," which are. Oh, 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 Marvin Gaye got me like that. Marvin Gaye got me with his greatest hits, and the greatest hits is what got me on the D. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's that's where it started for me. Um, so. Honestly, I'm not super, super familiar. I mean, I research jazz, but just because this what this what the song's on. But um, it's not. I, I'm not as familiar with like which songs come from which albums or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, uh, uh, any Queen's greatest hit stuff is would be worth worth checking out. Um, it's it's exceptional, and it's. it's it's dramatic in a way that most other popular music is not. There's um, a little show tunes in it, I guess. Like, there's, there's, it's not just singing. There's like acting involved in the singing. Yeah, right? That's why I said it's operatic because it's yeah. like it's not just vocally what he's able to do. It almost seems like, and is he the front man and the visionary? Yeah. Okay, so it almost seems like, well, he's got this whole thing figured out about how he wanted it to run from the jump down to the hair, uh, what they're wearing, like it, even some of their stuff that I, the stuff that you are familiar with, like we are the champions, Bohem. That stuff is super cinematic. That's what I mean. Yep. Is like, it hasn't given me a time to appreciate who he is as a vocalist, maybe who they are as a band. Mm-hmm. These things culturally have been indoctrinated into us on a level of appreciation that's not on the musical genius genius level. Right. It's on that uh, it's on the simple stupid works level that it's been given yeah. to, it, like the background music kind of level. Yeah. yeah, simple stupid works. We are the champions. We will rock you, but it's given to us in those doses, yeah. so that we really are not familiar with the full player of the song which is probably where you're going to hear vocally who he is, where it's like, oh, no, this guy's great. Yeah. 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 And, I mean, I don't want to dip too much into We'll Rock You, but, I mean, that's that's boom, boom, clap, too. So, I mean, it's that's the simplest possible, like, stomp, stomp, clap, right? But And he turns that into even something that is iconic, right? So, so when you hear that beat, you know what I hear? I hear grinding by the clips. Mm. The Neptune. Just that same simple boom, 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 it's just that sped up a little bit. It's the same thing sped up to me. Yeah. Boom, boom, clap. He just, it's the same thing. Right. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's all they did, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like awesome. an old formula, too. Yeah. It's just one of those things that that works um, regardless, right? Like, <clears throat> this is this is also, let me go to my notes. Well, well, I'm not forgetting <laughs> stuff. You know what works for them too in this sphere, and I'm starting to notice it because of their their songs that I am familiar with. Mm-hmm. Well, part of why they play well in stadiums and why they're going to play well in black community too, they like drums. Oh they yeah, like the guitars. Mm-hmm. All that over here, especially the drum part. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. because the rhythm. I mean, you know, hip hop is based on drum patterns and loops. That's right. Yeah. And it's it's one of those again. That's why like you can't sit still while you listen to their songs. And it's not just this one. I mean, most of their songs have get up out of your seat beats too. Yeah. Like, and and there's definitely 
the, the intent is definitely for you to dance to them. Like that's like it's or nod your head or wiggle in your seat or whatever. I mean, whatever is appropriate for your particular context at that particular point. Like it's it's one of those where you have to. There are not many bands that essentially are demanding that you sing along and when you listen to it and it demand that you dance with like it's you're i have and it, like my 13 year old daughter loves queen too and she and like it's one of those one of those that that hooked her when she was younger like six seven like whatever because you, you can't not sing to it like it's just one of those things that that draws that out of you and yes. and that's not easy to do no it's not so here's my question to you, and I think this is the transitional point to get okay. to Cass's Rosa Parks, is, is that <clears throat> it appears the Queen's thing is to rock the party. Mm -hmm. They don't, are they, did they ever delve into some more poignant or conscious matters? Or was it always to rock the party? I mean, there are some songs that are, a little more serious like even the lyrical content of bohemian rhapsody is a little more serious yeah. um i mean not the i see a little silhouette of a man that's not really super serious but like the the, the intro and the outro are about mama i just killed a man like that that's mm -hmm. uh a little more serious okay. even though it's that's more creative songwriting than me exactly right this is not like him narrating his personal life experience this is oh. like acting uh Right, that's acting out an opera, right? That's what I mean, that's what I mean when I say poignant and how he kind of has the scene set all figured out. It's like, well, no, 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 they're here to rock the party and they set the scene for that. Is there anything poignant about it? Because what I would say as we transition is that part of what Outcast does so well, mm -hmm. any rap group who's ever lived, is to make the poignant funky. Yeah. That's what Rosa Parks. And that's hard to do. Super hard to do. No, no, there's not. And I mean, Queen fans can like yell at me in the comments or whatever, but like there's it's, the intent of the music is not to make elaborate social commentary or narrate the points of your life or whatever. This is um, shake your ass music. Like it's, it's, it just is like, that's just what it's for. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's just what it's intended for. So we'll, Ready to transition, or did you have anything else? Um, yeah, this actually would go really well with this. Um, like the, the "Don't Stop Me Now" speaks in similes, right? I mean, like um, um, a superstar leaping through the sky like a tiger, a racing car passing by like Lady Godiva. Like, so he does speak in simile in a way that um, that most music, most rock and roll musicians do. But it it strikes me. Um, listening to the lyrical content of this song, um, Queen, as we've talked about already, is like about you know dancing, right? Um, basically, and the lyrical content is not super complex at all. Um, it's not silly exactly, but I mean there are moments that are kind of silly, and it, it's one of those songs that, as good as it is, it it shows me or reminds me how difficult writing a hip hop song is because the, and we'll get to this now, I guess, um, the intricacy of the lyrics of 
Rosa Parks and many, many of the hip hop songs um, that we've talked about previously is just like off the charts. Like when you dig into the poetry and all the ways the lines are put together and stuff like that, it's um, it's incredibly complex. It is. I, I tell people writing um, writing a hip hop record. Mm-hmm is one of the toughest things to do as far as on an execution level of getting people to enjoy the multitude of words that you're using because mm-hmm. I mean it's just age old and I said it earlier well simple stupid is always work Andrew and not that there's anything wrong with it I think one of the things that I think even from the queen songs that you've mentioned well that's the simple stupid done masterfully yep and there's an art to that that that's that's an art form up to itself uh, it is the nuance that comes with rhyming and putting together things fast paced in a 16 bar format or setting, or sometimes 24 and 48, depending on how the format goes. But there is something about that that is intrinsically harder than what goes on in a lot of other genres. And you have to utilize a lot more of your gifts in the process of that. Um, one of the things that's beautiful about Outcast, and I've spoken this about Andre before, but it kind of uh, applies to Big Boy too. Well, <laughs> You understand everything that they're saying. Like they're they're both top-notch lyricists. Right. They're not top-notch lyricists that use words or vocabulary, even like people like you and I do. They use every man's, they use everyday people slang. Yeah. Like their usage of words is everyday people words usage. And this song on both of their on Rosa Parks, respectively, like what's mm-hmm. masterful about the song is the actual, the actual social commentary is actually in the name of the song, right? The live instrumentation, which kinds provide it, kind of provides an it, it provides an ethos without mm-hmm. words with the use of the harmonica and the old school Southern instruments that were often right. used in the church. Mm-hmm. So the social commentary is actually being given through the instrumentation in the name oh. of the song. That's cool. the commentary about. Because if you listen to what the hook is, and you know, and we can just start unpacking it, it goes, aha, push that fuss. Everybody move to the back of the bus. Do you want to bump and slump with us? We the type of people make the club get crumped. Mm-hmm. They're, they're actually taking a moment of oppression, mm-hmm. flipping it into a moment of victory. Well, that's yeah. why hip hop was created, you know? Like hip hop was literally created in the black community to take a minus and make it a plus. You see, song, you see this whole page of notes, that's, that's, that's what that says, right. essentially. Yeah, okay. like, yeah. I, I love that. I love that that was where you're going with this too. That's awesome. Yeah, this song is the embodiment mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And I know a lot of people don't understand it. This song is the embodiment of the power of what hip hop means that, you know, two guys from, Atlanta, Georgia, which obviously historically it's tied to the civil rights movement right. and Rosa Parks mm-hmm. and Dr. King and the boycott and how all of this civil rights movement started. Well, mm-hmm. it's how a group from that area 50 years later can come back and make an anthem. Uh, I wouldn't call it quite an anthem because I don't think it was big enough to be considered an right. anthem, but I think it's classic, classic enough to be called a great song. It and is a great song an anthem-like for its time. Mm-hmm. Even with that being said, what's wonderful about this song is their expression of who they are once again 
emotionally and vocally without it being complicated complicated like they're not complicated on this record no now, now their delivery and their vocal inflections oh it's top notch oh yeah and stuff and it's one of the things that make it catchy mm, okay and so this is a song that's pieced together very very well from beginning to end from hook the thought process, the social commentary, to the disbursement of the verses, to the order. Because one of the things that makes this song fun is mm -hmm. the fact that Big Boy goes first. This song is not as fun if you start off with Andre's verse. Because no, it's not. It's not. Because this is what I mean about the vocal tone of it. And Big Boy's not using big words. He mm -hmm. said, ATL Georgia, what do we do for you? Bulldog and hoes like in Georgetown, hoys. Those aren't complicated words. No. But how he's delivering and his vocal I love it, yeah. It makes everybody smile. Yeah. It makes everybody smile when you hear it. So the way that he vocally inflects is what sets off the feeling that actually makes you. I mean, when Dre comes on, the song gets way more serious, mm -hmm. but only because he's more serious. That hook is so catchy. Yeah. That bridge is so epic that even through his seriousness of how he's feeling emotionally at the time, the song still feels uplifting, even though he's actually very somber. And he's actually very somber throughout Equimini itself if people are really paying attention. Mm. He's not like a happy guy on Equimini. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And so this is, this, is, this is the expression that I met a gypsy and she hit me to some mod game to stimulate, to activate the left and right brain. Said, baby boy, you only focus on your last cut. You focus on the past, your ass would be a has work. That's words to live by, or either that's words to die to. Mm -hmm. I just try to throw it at you, determine your own adventure, Andre. You get what I'm saying? He's yeah. going through a thing. So emotionally, he's not happy. That's not, that sounds like the expression of the words of a happy man. No, definitely not. No, it's not. He's actually very somber and reflective, but, and this is where Big Boy becomes important again. Big Boy is so key and setting a tone and yeah. setting a level that what really happens it doesn't bring down the song at all it doesn't bring down the song at all you really just become immersed in the fact that it's like man dre's really like going through a thing but he's making it sound good well it's like well i don't know if it's him making it sound good it's that guy he has right next to them that's why they were so great mm -hmm. together dre can't do that by himself and do an uplifting record it's not going to sound uplifting right you know and so that's what I mean about how well records with them are pieced together and how well they play off each other. Mm -hmm. Because also, too, well, Andre speaking the way that he's speaking gives the song some actual literal cognitive and written substance mm -hmm. so that using the name Rosa Parks on a party song doesn't feel so bad. You get what I mean? Yeah. Like if it was just big boys rhetoric for two verses and you're part of the song <laughs> Rosa Parks. It might be a little bit disrespectful. It, it's going to play well. And let's, and let's also keep in mind, even with all these things said, it still didn't play well and they got sued. Yeah, I'm right. Right. So I, I, I had known that and then I forgot about it. And I was reading a little bit about the song and I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. They did. She did sue them or her lawyer sued them. Imagine how quick that happens if Andre's verse is not on there. Like, because without Andre's verse, it's a straight party song. Yeah. So the balance of their is beautiful. You have your social commentary. You have your live instrumentation. You have your party. You have Big Boy. You have, it, it's just a lot of pieces. And that's why making a great hip-hop record 
It's so hard. Look at all the pieces that I'm talking about coming together just to make this song sound great. This isn't, this wasn't like, this song didn't like burn up the charts. This wasn't like. This was not one of the more, the first ones I was familiar with, for sure. No, I mean, like I said, I don't even think this is their biggest single. Well, I mean, it's not their biggest single. So Fresh, So Clean and Miss Jackson are. And as far mm -hmm. as singles that are more quality, I think Southern Playalistic and Elevators are better songs. Mm -hmm. but look at all the intricacies and nuances to put this great record together. And, and this is what I mean about the live instrumentation. You know, they just recently celebrated uh, the 28th anniversary of Southern Playalistic Cadillac Music, which is the first album. <clears throat> They've been using instrumentation and live instrumentation from the jump. And so it wasn't a surprise to hear them on their third album, take it there. They had already kind of prepared us, at least musically. No, no, no. They, they Keyboardists, guitarists, drummers, singers had works and hands in their first two albums. So the, the first two albums sound P-Funkish. Like they have that kind of really dark George Clinton kind of Bootsy yeah. Collins shit in it. Very much, but still, but but live live drummers, yeah. keyboardists, and guitarists are coming in. You know, to stink. Well, it's called stink on you now. Bobby Brown's old studio in the dungeon to mm -hmm. record these things. So there was a live instrument element to what Outcast did from the jump, and this is the first time that they really jumped out and did it on a single. Okay. And so this song is what prepares you for what they do on Bonds Over Baghdad. Oh, cool. The live instrumentation has just been a key component of a outcast career early on. But this was the first time they kind of like jumped out first single wise with it and kind of really hit you with it. And I was just saying like musically, they've always had the live instruments be a part of it. So each time they just kind of elevated a little bit more. So imagine when you're hearing bombs over Baghdad a couple of years later and you're hearing like a full choir now, you know? Yeah. So they're preparing you for these moments musically as well. So it's been strategic how they planned it as well, but uh, still a wonderful record and a different type of party starter, but still yeah. has the same feel good aesthetic to it. I mean, I know you remember this, this song came out when we were seniors in high school. Yep. We were all running around singing this song. <laughs> like I, I didn't know what it was then, but I, I, I do remember it. Yeah. I can remember um, talking to Nasif. Remember Nasif? Yeah. Me and Nasif were sitting outside the math building uh, the day after, or the day it had dropped. And he was like, he was like literally stuck. You know, Nasif loved to talk. Both me and him, we got along because we were both really smart and loved to talk. He always yep. had something to say. He was like stuck on stupid after he had heard of Clem and I. He was just like, he was like, dude, he's like, I don't know if I've heard like anything better than this rap wise. It's like ever. He's like ever, Coop. He's like this might be the best rap album I've ever heard in my life. It's like that. That was the impact of mm -hmm. that album. That was the strength of that album. This is the lead song off that album. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I want to get in a little bit to <clears throat> like how the lines are put together. I mean, maybe you can speak to it more too than than I. But like, yeah, go ahead. If we're doing the English teacher segment or whatever, like the like the the in, internal rhyme and the way the lines are like put together, like I, I wrote down, I called it alliterative rhyme because he they're like echoing in many of the lines, like the first sounds in the yeah. words and the middle, like um, 
like take the bat way and head into that bat cave like the bat it, it does the b's and the ads and they like all of those sounds match so they're using alliteration uh uh what is it consonants and dissonance assonance is the one in the middle yeah the vowel yeah yes a lot of all of that so their literary devices on the song that's what i mean what they're doing word wise is simple yeah what they're technically doing is incredibly intricate. Like I, I looked at it again this afternoon, mm -hmm. um, just in preparation for this, because I mean, uh, for my first reaction was like I listened to the two verses again, and they don't, they don't really seem to have much to do with each other. Like they're not, they're, they. So it may be another example of Dre dropping in or whatever. Mm -hmm. But well, as we've talked about before, but but like his first two lines, the, I met a gypsy and she hit me to some life games to simulate and activate the left and right brain. Like the the beginnings of those lines, gyp has has the eye sounds, the gypsy hip, and then simulate and activate like all that. It, 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 all, mm -hmm. There's there are four or five of them at the beginning of both of those lines. Um, but um, life game, it, you have IA and right brain IA too. Um, like so, it's not just um, the, the word people people hear it or, or people who are not paying much attention like I was when I first heard the song the first you know 200 times or whatever that you just hear the a at the end the a and whatever but you're not hearing like or, or oh, I wasn't paying attention to how complex the words are woven complexly the words are woven together that's intentional mm -hmm. on the record to bring out their Southern draws. Oh yeah. yeah. Rosa Parks. So the way that they are formatting their bars respectively is different. And mm -hmm. you're right, Dre is using more assonance, but um, big boy is flipping the word alliteration wise, mm -hmm. without starting it off and, 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 and syncopization wise a little bit yeah. in and out on that. But they're doing that both. That's what I mean about the inflection of their voices. Mm -hmm. They're doing that vocally to make the song feel more Southern because it's called Rosa Parks. So they're using words yeah. that highlight vocally their Southern draws respectively. That's why I bring up when Big, Big Boy's doing ATL Georgia. What do we do for oh, you? Yeah. yeah, I can't do it, but like, yeah, sure. Okay. But, well, that's where his draw works well. Mm -hmm. Andre's draw isn't like that because Andre's more of a crisp talker than Big Boy right. is. So his draw is going to show itself where? In the middle of the words usually. Mm -hmm. like, oh, well, that's cool i never thought about that sure when, when people are from the south and they speak well you can usually hear their twang where in the middle of their words mm -hmm. in the middle of his words is where you're hearing his twang that's intentional by them that's what i mean there are so many little things that make this song genius that they're doing yeah that's intentional they oh, don't yeah. they don't do that on any other record on equipment i except for this one mm -hmm. no no the, uh, the first the first note i wrote about this like when we first started talking about this pairing like months ago was um the the hook is wrapped around a bunch of short u sounds hush that foot bus bump slump uh, 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 uh. but the way he's pronouncing them is he's, he's taking a bunch of words that have that sound in them and accenting that sound in them so he's all he's almost turning the uh into an ooh almost so I'm going to sound like the whitest person ever doing this. Sorry, but like he almost is sounding like hoosh that foos. Like it's almost like because it's so like oh. there's almost an ooh in there, but that's, and but that's, but, it, but it also makes it rhyme not just 
Um, it, then it also rhymes with you and it rhymes with move, move to the back of the book. Like it almost rhymes with those words too. And not just hush and fuss and club and Cronkit, like all of those two. So that's, it's almost Geechee talk. Where yeah. like the words literally all are mushed together in, in like a rhythmic tone. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean. They're intentionally making this song sound Southern about the name. Like they're trying to create a feeling. And part mm-hmm. of that feeling they're trying to create is a deep South feeling. It does feel like that. Absolutely. But, um, so it's intentional even. And, and it's funny. I mean, I don't know how the elders were in your family, but I can remember when we were younger, elders in my family be, hush that fuss. Mm. My grandfather didn't like the curse because he was a Christian man. He'd be like, hush all that fuss. Y'all need to hush all that fuss. Because that was easier than saying shut the yeah, exactly. That's right. what I mean about their things being done intentionally to bring out the southern aspects of this record that mm-hmm. reflect everything's being done to make it a social commentary, except yes. comment, commenting on it socially. They're like, right. no, no, we're going to do what Outcast does, but everything about it's a social commentary mm-hmm. down to the southern draw. Everything about it is put together to be southern, to make it feel old southern, to make you feel a certain type of way. Even down to the harmonicas and hands, st- hands clapping, foot stomping, yeah. breakdown. Yeah, even, I mean, even if you look, listen to how the song is going out, you can hear Andre scatting. It's behind the, it's behind the hook too. Uh huh. too. Yeah, that's yeah. like some live stage, old school, uh, barnyard, hoe down blues. You know, like yep. they're creating that feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and to, to circle here like one of the things that i thought was really really cool i mean obviously it's country like in the wider culture you think of harmonica being folk country music kind of an instrumentation even though it is associated with the blues and um all that stuff too like so it's taking i don't want to say it's a white instrument because it wasn't always and it really isn't but it's like the way we think of it now, like in the modern world tends to be that way. Um, I think, am I wrong about that? I mean, for black people, unless it's Stevie Wonder, it's some, it's some white people shit. Okay. So I, I'm not like talking out of my ass there. Good. Um, and let's say Stevie, like if black people hear a harmonica, we immediately think Stevie Wonder is playing it or, or white people. Do it. Good. Okay. So uh, I just want to make sure that I was, I was not off base on that, um, but they're taking, um, what we would think of as a white instrument sort of um, and, and using it in, in a way that reclaims it, I guess, um, and uses it for that. And, and I think they're trying to use it to reflect the deep Southernness mm-hmm. of it more than the whiteness of it. That but makes sense. Those, but those two things are not mutually exclusive. Right. 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 Um, and the, but the circling part that I thought was kind of cool was that um, despite Freddie Mercury's voice um, and his like operatic singing, essentially, and, and Don't Stop Me Now, um, this is I wouldn't call it a disco song exactly, but it's got that four on the floor beat. It's got the like it's pulling from like Donna Summer. It's pulling from that kind of stuff so it's 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 interesting i didn't intend this when i picked these songs when we picked these songs to go together but like they're taking they they're both taking stuff from like the opposite side and using them in a different way 
Yes. Like, okay, so Outcast is taking the folk and the bluegrass mm-hmm. in the country yeah. and making it hip hop. So Freddie and Queen are sitting over there in the UK and he's obviously got this stellar, you know, amazing voice. So they're doing more rock and roll operatic infusion. But while he's sitting, and this is just what I'm hearing, while based on the time that you're giving me, while they're sitting over there doing that, well, disco is exploding over in America. Yep. And so this is his way to get on the dance floor in America too. Yeah, this is this is 1978. So this is like at the height of that disco oh. Studio 54. So, so, so you can hear that he's like, no, I need to make something that they're going to play on the dance floor here too. Mm-hmm. That's part yep. of it. Yeah, definitely. This is this is a. Um, the 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 real corollary in the the black music world that also crossed over to to this is is Mike's um, um, "Don't Stop Till You Get Enough." It's that same kind of um, song where you're it's just the the it's a little faster than you'd expect, and it goes on for a while. Like the yeah the vibe the vibe is definitely off the walls. Yeah. Um, and it would have been about the same time too. Like, no, no, no. That's what I mean. Is like you can tell that Freddie is uh, musically inclined and can also pick up on other grooves. That's part of being great. I mean, mm-hmm. and greats, greats are able to do you know great interpretations of things. Like, I mean, <clears throat> I'll say this briefly. Like, my favorite Prince album is Sign of the Times because mm-hmm. I hear Prince, Stevie Wonder, and James Brown because he does wonderful interpretations of what they do so well too because. Mm-hmm inspired by them so this song i can totally see how freddie and queen are inspired by what's going on with disco yeah. you know and and, and and being literally on the scene and there and mm-hmm. dancing to other people's music like imagine being freddie mercury and like they're playing everybody else's stuff while you're there in the club mm-hmm. your shit's not playing you're probably yeah. gonna go make something to get played because you're capable of doing that yeah <laughs> Yeah, and he did, and they did, and, and they made a, made a bunch of songs too. Like, um, oh, I bet. So, go listen. 